This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. So you can see the Ten Commandments uh, were found on Mars, and uh, we saw the uh, picture of the uh, Last Supper with Jesus as that an alien. That was very creative. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If nothing else, wow. So uh, now we're going to have a really uh, great conversation. We got Sean Dalton back. And Once we again, always have hello, a great Sean. conversation Hi. with Sean on the show. And uh, we also have Ricardo Duchesne uh, joining us uh, all the way from, uh, you came from New Brunswick. Right, New Brunswick, St. John's. St. John's. Right. No, Not St. John's. St. John's. John's. <laughs> Got to be careful about that. Right. The other one's in Newfoundland. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How could we have, anyway, it's complicated. I, well. Okay. Um, now, uh, Ricardo, you're a professor? Yeah, I'm a professor at the University of New Brunswick, St. John. Okay. There are two campuses. There's mm -hmm. the Fredericton campus, which is the bigger one. And then you have the St. John one. So I'm have been there since 1995. Okay. It's a long time. And what are you teaching? What's your subject? Sociology. Okay. Wow. But and my interest is mainly history, world history, philosophy. Okay. So I, I did my degree in an interdisciplinary program okay. at York University. Okay. Now, where did you, I mean, I detect a little bit of an accent. Where are you right. from originally? Puerto Rico. Okay, wow. wow. The island of Puerto Rico. Now, usually people from Puerto Rico, if they're gonna go anywhere, they go to the US, right? right? There, there was um, a large number of Puerto Ricans who went there in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. uh, in many ways, they're the first large group of Hispanics who have gone to the United States. Mm -hmm. And they have spread out through various cities in the eastern side, and they have grown inside the United States so that now, uh, I don't know the latest estimates, but some people say that um, uh, there are more Puerto Ricans in the United States than they're in Puerto Rico, or about the same number. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I should say, you know, Blue Orchid, who used to work for us here at that channel, she had a thing for Puerto Ricans. Oh, she did. And I said, <laughs> you're in the wrong city because there's no Puerto Ricans right, in no. Toronto or no, almost no. none. Who, who right? would have thought you have to go east? <laughs> yeah. So I lived in Montreal for many years, and I remember when I would tell people that I'm from Puerto Rico, I, I think I could count one or two that would say, oh, I'm from there after many, many years. So what brought you to Canada? Well, my mother was the one who came um, when she, she divorced my, my father. She decided to take us to Canada. She had read, I think that was... It wasn't right when Expo was on, but it was some of the years after, okay. and Canada was being talked about everywhere. It was still had a good rep right. back then, right? So she, I do recall, I do recall <laughs> she was reading about it quite a bit, and then she decided to come to Canada, and I yeah. came around the mid-70s. Okay, wow. great. So, uh, so let's get into our uh, discussion today. Now, uh, Sean, if you want to just uh, kind of give us the topic and then we'll just dive right into it. This is it. a real It's, it's called Cultural Marxism in Canadian Society. That's the topic. That's what it's... Cultural gonna... Marxism. Okay. From each according to their abilities to each <laughs> according to their needs. I'm all for that, as long as I don't have to do anything. <laughs> 
well, you'd be okay, Hugh. So. <laughs> it tends to stifle the progressive debate on controversial issues or sensitive topics. It tends to repress people. Okay, so, so what do you mean by yes. cultural Marxism? Let's start with that. It's like an ideology that believes that um, it's, it's kind of like communism, where the state controls everything and the state tells you what to think or how to feel. And if you have any ideas which contradict official, the official policy, you're taken to the woodshed, as they say. Okay, but we're not really talking about the state here because the state per se, the federal government or whatever, the state itself is not telling us how to think or what to think, or but they, are they? They do. They promote state-sponsored multicultural policy, which encourages people to segregate away from anything that could be considered Canadian and into a tribal state. So, yeah, well, go ahead. What, what I would add to what Sean said is that the term cultural Marxism is, is a recent one and it has taken off. You can Google it and quite a few people are talking about it and writing about it. And it's not the best term, but it is a way of indicating that even though economic Marxism came to an end in the Soviet Union and in Eastern Europe and in China in many ways, uh, another version of it is alive. And economic Marxism was about uh, getting rid of capitalism and creating a communist uh, economy. And it didn't work, it was a failure. Uh, but then uh, it's a long, complicated uh, story. Uh, various Marxists, going back to the early 20th century, began to say that you can't change Western society by just taking over the economy or taking the state and then taking over the economy. It's gonna be a long, drawn out process. You're gonna have to change the culture. And so this term, cultural Marxism, uh, reflects that, reflects the fact that we have seen in the last few decades a very persistent, ongoing effort to undermine Western culture, undermine that fact that Christianity was a cornerstone of Western civilization, uh, and essentially uh, bring this idea that the West has to be multicultural, that that's what makes the West the West. So much so that people now say diversity is what the West is about. And yet just a few decades ago, no one was talking about it. So one has to ask, where did this idea come from? Because no other culture, no other society in the world practices multiculturalism. Uh, the West is the only uh, civilization that practices. Well, the West, uh, I mean, I would, I mean, Canada is the country that kind of maybe even created the word multiculturalism, right? right? Well, it was and in the BNB Commission in the Pearson document. It was just a suggestion. Right. And but it became official policy of yeah. the federal government. Trudeau right? implemented it and then Mulroney enshrined it into law. Like he literally mm -hmm. took it several, he created a multicultural department which mm -hmm. would give funding. If you have 100 people, you can have your own cultural center, your own festivals. Let's create one right now. That's what we're doing. And I, based on the suggestions I got from you guys, I actually created, uh, I'm working on a website doing the research for my book. I'm going to transfer that to, um, it's a pilot project. Why don't you plug it? What's Tell it us the name of it. Um, it's going to be called the uh, Canadian Cultural Society, and it's going to talk about these kinds of issues, and it's going to talk about how they affect our sense of unity and social cohesion, our sense so, of Canadianness. So where does multicultural, or no, where does cultural Marxism fit in to the Canadian culture? Society? Because multicultural Marxism is a man-made thing, 
you can conclude that multiculturalism is a state-sponsored system, a lot like communism or socialism. It's a way to organize society. And is it a way to separate? Is that it what does. you're saying? It causes it's, separation. Okay, okay. Uh, people might say that it brings people together, but I went to most of the cultural festivals in the last couple of months, the Brazilian Fest, uh, Greek Taste of the Danforth, uh, Carabana, uh, the um, Ukrainian Festival. Mm -hmm, like 98% mm -hmm. of the people that show up are from that, they're, they're, that part of the, the world. The countries where they came from. A very, very little percentage are for people. So if multiculturalism is, is really so honest and true, how come 98, 9 out of 10 people who show up at these things are from the cultures of the countries where these people came from? If we're really supposed to mix it all up, uh, how come it's not working? So, so your attempt with this Canadian Culture Society, that's what you're calling it, right? Yeah. Is, is that the, is, are you trying to make multiculturalism what it's supposed to be? Bring I'm trying to change it to an intercultural policy. My goal, the goal is actually twofold, to get multiculturalism and bilingualism removed from the public school system. And that's a very extreme goal. And that's why I'm not sure if it can work, but at least if we can wake enough people up, they can talk about it. And maybe in 20 years we could talk about changing it because so, it's not going to happen overnight and it's very, it's a very damaging policy on Canadian sense of identity or unity. So then, okay, so Sean, help me to understand, what is your definition of multiculturalism versus your interculture? Because that's, okay. you mentioned that term yeah. a lot, and it's fascinating. Interculturalism means uh, citizens that share the same language, share the same history, and share the same values. Multiculturalism means you have your own thing, I have my own thing, he has his own thing, and he has his own thing. It's a very divisive policy. Can, it, you, can you have multiculturalism in that interculturalism? No, you can't. Well, because it divides people. It doesn't okay. bring people to the same table. He, it okay. Yeah, he's just, I think, Sean, what you're saying is let, let's, uh, ch uh, multiculturalism has a certain meaning and, uh, 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 and con connotation. It does. To it. It, was, it was implemented to get uh, votes from the Ukrainian citizens back in the 70s. And what you've done is you've created mm -hmm. a, a new concept, a new term. It's, it's not new. Quebec actually practices it. Pre Quebec has an intercultural policy. You cannot go to Quebec and practice multiculturalism. Your signs have to be in French. You have to join the Quebec society. They, but you can still have your own religious beliefs, right? You can still oh yeah, wear your garb if you're from a, a, a specific. It is. It is. It is primarily a Quebec term. The people from Quebec never really liked the term multiculturalism. They never signed the charter. It meant that Quebec is one culture among many cultures, and they wanted to say we're not one among many. We are actually a Quebecois culture. The mm -hmm. Quebecois, you know, have a stronger sense of identity, yes, like yes, the, Ang the Anglo people. So if I'm understanding this correctly, are you, what I'm seeing, if, if this goes this way, is more like a reflection of what the U.S. is all about, whereas, because when people come from different parts of the world, they're U.S. I, first. I'm, I'm a bit different. I'm a bit skeptical even of interculturalism. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, the United States, we were talking a little bit about this before. Uh, the, even though the United States does not have officially multiculturalism, to all intents and purposes, the United States is caught up with the same mania of multiculturalism. And the reason for that is that you have to connect the reali reality of mass immigration with multiculturalism. They come together, they're not separate. But right, and I wanted to get back to the point. So we talked about, uh, we're talking about um, Canada was the country you're talking about the end of uh, the tradition of Western society, that there's maybe, I don't know whether we want to use the conspiracy word, but some sort of force uh, that is uh, against what Western society right. has stood for traditionally, right? Now, so Canada's multiculturalism, but the U.S. also is a product of mass immigration. Right. And therefore has to deal with what you're saying for all practical purposes, it is multicultural or, 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 or intercultural or whatever. So now, but we do have, not, not the West, Western Europe is one thing, mm -hmm. but th 
European culture transposed to the new world is by definition uh, a culture that has developed from the influx of people coming here. And, it, and it's almost like a natural occurrence that we have opened up our immigration to, to beyond European integration, right, that, at least since the Second World War. The census well, you data. just say what a natural occurrence. That's where I have to disagree. If you look mm -hmm. at Australia and if you look at Canada and the United States, up until the mid-60s, even into the 1970s, they were, they were all overwhelmingly European. In other words, even though people from various ethnicities had come in, mm -hmm. all those people mm -hmm. were European in ethnicity. Right. And so um, what happened in the, starting in the 60s, the United States introduced the Immigration Act of 1965, and then in the case of Canada, you have official multiculturalism, and in Australia as well, um, mm -hmm. is that we open the borders to every ethnic group in the world. And to me, there is a big difference there. From being European, the idea came on that we ought to be a place for all the cultures of the world. Okay, but, okay, think about it though. The world, since the Second World War, got smaller, and everybody's awareness of everybody else increased. It did. We in the West became more aware of third world cultures, for example, and people in the third world, what we call the third world, became more aware of, of, of you know, the possibility even of moving to a country like Canada or the US, where before that was such a remote possibility that it just didn't happen. And that was just the way that the world changed. Not the whole world. Uh, there mm -hmm. is no mass immigration into any area of the world except Western countries, which is an interesting phenomenon because oh, we are told that it's all globalization. We are intermixing and interacting. Right. Not true. You can't immigrate to Japan. Japan is a homogeneous country. China is homogeneous. Uh, those cultures will remain what they are. Yeah. So what will happen is this continues is that Canada will lose its European identity, France will lose it, England will yeah. lose it. Which is the reason it's and, happening now. And so India will retain it, its, its identity. It's the reason when Angela Merkel of Germany, Nicolas Sarkozy of France, um, David Cameron of the United Kingdom, and Pierre Donner, Holland's integration minister, they came out one after the other and they said multiculturalism. Yeah. We tried it. It failed, we're getting rid of it. Ironically, Australia just adopted it recently. But just to add one point, the issue is not <coughs> no immigration or immigration. I'm an immigrant myself. I like some diversity. I like to see people from all the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But there is a point at which the numbers are so high that it overwhelms the European character of Canada. I, I just com came here to Toronto after not being here for, well, this has been going on for a while, but I'm overwhelmed when I get into the bus. Uh, something is is uh, not right. Um, so, would you say we it's o it's saturated now? Would you say it's overwhelmed? We oh have yes, too many it's overwhelmed. Uh, the education is bended to meet the perspectives and viewpoints of people from everywhere. We have no sense of cohesion, no sense of so, identity. So, okay. So then, back to your point, Ricardo, about um, you said that the U.S. is really more multicultural than they care to admit. 
and so they're a, a closer to Canada in that way, yet they have a much stronger identity. When you have, you know, these, the, um, these immigrants um, coming to ball games or whatever in the U.S., they're clearly going for their team or, you know, or when you have world events, whereas in Canada, you still have, for soccer, for instance, you'll have people who are from Italy voting, uh, you know, cheering on the soccer team Brazil, instead of the Canadian. Or Brazil, yeah. And in the States, you won't have that. You know, you do have that in the States. Mexicans will... Uh, side with their team even if they were born in the united states now okay for mexico maybe they're close to the border how about others like i i i would question whether or not that would be true for people from poland or people from england because that sense of the u.s identities i right. think more it, it works i believe assimilation works a lot easier with people who come from europe that have a, an ethnicity that's european Okay. Uh, there's nothing wrong with saying that. Some people feel uncomfortable and say, oh, what do you mean? It doesn't work with people from Pakistan, people from India. No, it, it just means they're, they're, they're more different than we are. Okay. Their religion is different. Their okay. customs are different. We have to understand that the West, Europe, is a very unique civilization. There is nothing like it in history. Uh, the idea of the Enlightenment, the idea of freedom of the press, separation of church and state, the idea that women should have rights and be treated in the same way Equally, as men. These yeah. are Western ideas. So this, the assumption that you're going to bring uh, masses of people from Pakistan into England and somehow they're going to assimilate to that uh, is not quite correct. It's one mm -hmm. thing if you brought a few of them slowly, gradually. The word organic you were using, and I think yeah. you mentioned. In a, I believe in organic immigration. It means a slow... Uh, uh, long-term process whereby people from different backgrounds uh, come and gradually adapt because when you that happened to me when you are mm. a minority you immediately have to find links with uh, the students that are there and um, whereas mm. if you come and you have half the classroom either Mexican or just many cultures nobody knows who they are no sense of being rooted which is what's happening to a lot of Europeans they don't know anything about their history anymore. Uh, our universities are all out, leftist, Marxist universities. I, I am a professor, I'm a product of that. I was a leftist, a Marxist, and I began to realize there is something wrong, and I rejected that, because I think we're gonna lose our Western civilization, and it's gonna be too late, and we're gonna regret it. Okay, now Ricardo, <laughs> Ricardo, so I watch a lot of YouTube videos, so. <laughs> and they're I, all true. I, I, I hear what you're oh, saying, yeah. And if I have to go into my reference point and, and put, point my finger at who's causing the problem, right. who's doing this, who is behind the conspiracy to destroy Western civilization, it is the Illuminoid reptile uh, globalist uh, uh, Anunnaki. Now, I'm sort of joking when I say that, but it seems to me that there are people that are using globalization uh, as an excuse to destroy uh, countries, to destroy cultures, labor for market. some other and labor markets yeah. for some other agenda. The, uh, um, do you do you buy into that at all? Well, you can comment first, then I'll add something. Okay, I was just going to say okay. uh, thank you. Uh, Daniel Stofman wrote a book called "Who Gets In." What's yes. wrong with Canada's immigration system and how to fix it? He started the book in 1990. The research he finished in 2001. It was published in 2002. 
uh, there's two pieces of uh, statistics in that book that caught me by surprise. One is that mass immigration cost Canadian workers 30.8 billion a year in lost wages, and it cost Americans 152 billion a year in lost wages. Because when you flood labor markets with citizens, companies don't have to pay a premium for your skills and abilities. They can get a right. new grad and replace you constantly every two years. Wow. And that's, that's one true. of the, that's, that's I'm trying to just, trying to find a reason why this is happening. It could be, cheap labor could be one of them. And they, that's not mm -hmm. even counting the fact that with globalization, they can outsource a lot of the yeah, that's on manufacturing top of the, to another yeah. country altogether. That's on, that, that creates additional anxiety. Mm -hmm. I, I would distinguish between globalization and globalism. The okay. same way I distinguish between multiculturalism and multicultural. Uh, Canada was multicultural before it, had the ideology of multiculturalism imposed on it. Uh, I like the fact that Montreal was very multicultural, that you would have Italian neighborhoods, Portuguese neighborhoods, Polish, Jewish neighborhoods, Argentinian a little bit when I arrived. I like that about Canada, including from Trinidad and so on. Uh, but multiculturalism is something different. Multiculturalism is an ideology that says you must believe that diversity is a strength. You must believe that immigration has to go on, and that, they, that if you question it, you're anti-immigrant and you're possibly racist. Resentful. It's a very sinister <laughs> ideology that doesn't allow people from a European background that say, you know, I feel uncomfortable with what is going on. This is disquieting to me. Okay, now I wonder, because uh, when these multicultural policies were put in place in Canada in the mid-60s, at that time, uh, there was uh, uh, a lot of racial tension in the United States. Right. That was the time when Mar Martin Luther King yeah. uh, was mm -hmm. at, at his peak and when, when there was uh, uh, political debates about uh, segregation and busing and all that, uh, that sort of thing. And there was a lot of awareness, of course, even here in Canada, right. that you know, we have to be careful. We, we, what we were doing, television, when we were watching all that on TV, right. was holding up a mirror to the culture and saying, look, you, as a culture, are racist. Right. And that was a reality. Right. Uh -oh. I, I, it's good that you brought that term because the civil rights movement play a big role in nurturing this idea that white people seem to be racist and they need to make amends for that. Personally, I think mm -hmm. white people are the least racist people in the world. Uh, which is why the Japanese don't accept multiculturalism, never would. And we don't call them racist, we think they're normal. They want to preserve their heritage, Imagine their culture. society. Yeah, but if the British people, they say, we wish to remain British, people will say there's something wrong with you. I mean, you have to understand there's something going on there. But in a way, okay, in a way, the openness, that, or that fact that you just mentioned of the British culture as, a, as compared to the Japanese culture, in a way, is the result of the very character of the Western civilization that you described earlier. It's right. the openness, how would the you enlightenment, feel, the you, reformation, all you, that. How, right? how would you feel about living in London when it just became a non-white city? It's 55% Indian and Pakistani. I would feel extremely uncomfortable being around people that spoke Bengali and Urdu in huge amounts in a neighborhood where I spoke English. I would feel like a stranger in my own. I can't imagine what it's like living in London right now. I just couldn't. I well, haven't been to London in a while. So that's according I've, I've actually heard that. And yeah. It is. Um, Come I'm, on, Toronto is the most multicultural city and it's also the on cold, the planet. It's also the yeah. coldest city in the world. You can't understand what anyone's saying. It's hard to make friends. A lot of people leave the country out of frustration. Yes, yes, they don't get the credentials yes, recognized. That's true. That's true. It's a very that's cold happening. city. But, but the point, oh, sorry, you can. Right, no. I just came from Kelowna. No, the point you made is, is very. I, I had a good time. Everyone speaks English in Kelowna. I, I couldn't believe it. Like the, 
everyone's so friendly, but it's because everyone has a shared language. Now, in your opinion, is he racist? No, of course not. Okay. He's a normal human being. Uh, okay. it's, it's amazing. Cultural Marxism makes people uh, uh, feel comfortable when they're normal. If you're ethnocentric, if you prefer your own group, you're made to feel in school, studying in elementary, that there is something wrong with that. But I want to go to your point because it's a very important point. You said that that itself is part of what the West is about. We mm -hmm. are an open society. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe in universal values. We want to transcend ethnocentricism. And th that is true, that there is something about European culture that built up into this kind of idea that we can abolish races, we can abolish ethnic attachments, uh, we can make religion private, and we can just mix everyone, and we'll just get along somehow. Um, huh. It's not going to work. Uh, it hasn't worked. There is no case of it in the, in the world. But I would also say that it is true, especially the Nordic Anglo people, <coughs> the least ethnocentric people, so they tend to think that that is right. They're more individualistic. They think that you just judge the individual alone, uh, don't look at them as groups. Uh, but I think, in a sense, it is something that Europeans are going to have to start relearning, which is to reconnect with their heritage, Absolutely. reconnect in, with their roots, in, uh, in Macedonia, their churches, their traditions, yeah. and be proud of it and not assume that just because you're proud of your heritage that you're anti-liberal. No, it's the other way around. That's the source of liberalism. I just want to make the point, though, that the, because uh, uh, you mentioned it's normal to want to be with your own kind, if right. you want to say that, or your own tribe, or however you want to describe that, which I think is true, but I think that's also the root of racism. We take it to an extreme where that, that wanting to be with your own kind, when, when it goes too far, becomes uh, a rejection of the other. It becomes racism right, at that but point. So it's a fine line we have we, to we, we, But there is also technophilia, which is love of the other and dislike of your own self. I mean, mm -hmm. I was in university. I was taught to dislike the West for the slavery and for the religious prosecutions of long ago. Mm -hmm. And I then realized, studying Europe, that we have the invention of Greek philosophy. Mm -hmm. uh, we have um, geometry mathematics in Greek times. We have the Judeo-Christian tradition with the sense of ethics and justice. Uh, we have the scholastic tradition, the invention of universities in the Middle Ages, the Renaissance. Um, the Reformation and the idea that there should be no hierarchical church imposing its beliefs on the population. And we have the Enlightenment. So it is a great tradition. Wh what on earth can we think that by bringing people from Africa with traditions that are so different, that are not liberal, that we're somehow improving our culture? It is one thing to bring a few and they have time to assimilate. Okay, so, so and let, uh, let's not forget why we did this in the first place. We didn't do this because we were so enlightened. We didn't do this because we were so generous. We did this because we needed people here. And better restaurants. That, that was a myth too. The, Canada never succeeded 
based on mass immigration. We didn't even have it until 1989. We always took in but, roughly 99,000 people a year. By 93, we we're taking in a quarter of a million. The job market can only handle so much labor. But we are not having you know? enough children. The That's a myth. We're in a baby boom right now. There's been we're a, in a ba okay, in a baby boom right now. It's yeah. still, it's still. It's the first time in 50 years that that's happened. Exactly. And, that's, that, and I, we'll probably see immigration go down the more kids we have born <laughs> here. You know Would you not agree with that? Standards yeah, that is true to what you're saying, and it brings the point you brought they, about globalization. This, they've been saying this in France. Like, I found out by doing research, they've been saying this to the Germans, the French. The, right. Like, this is a global concerted effort yeah. to delude the labor markets of cheap yeah. labor they, and drive wages down so corporations can have big profits for shareholders. Canada is an aging population. Okay. Half the population is in the labor market, Sandra. 18.7 million citizens are between the ages of 19 and 64. And all the young people can't find jobs. So that we have whole 1. argument We have 1.4 million window. people right. in the country. And we used to be now, a high-wage economy. We were, European nations, Western nations, another characteristic about them is that we were always high-wage economies, relatively yes, speaking. Yes, yeah. yes, Times were hard in the past, but we built economies in which workers gain all sorts of rights, trade unions. I'm yes. all for that. Yes. I'm a leftist in that sense. I want workers to be, have secure jobs. I want when students, like my students, when I teach them, it, it bothers me that I'm teaching them and they are so insecure because we are willing to bring people that just arrived the day before and they're going to get a job. Yeah, 339,000 guest workers no. last year. Mm -hmm. That's up for 96,000 10 years ago. That's a 300% increase. What do you call guest workers? They're called guest workers. And they yeah. were paid, until people complained to Harper, and they scrapped the 15% provision, they were paid 15% below the minimum wage. And I got a, a list of uh, minimum wages for all the provinces of the Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan. I did calculations, like how much are these corporations saving? You know, PCL Construction is one of the largest construction companies in Canada. They're bringing 50 pipe workers from Ireland. Why aren't we training pipe? And there's people here studying that trade here, and they can't find jobs. Well, obviously, the company's going to hire someone from Ireland because they're 15% less. It's yeah. common sense. You want to improve shareholder value. It's a publicly traded company. You, but that doesn't you, do anything for our, our, our labor force. It deludes it. It destroys it. It prevents people from yeah. getting meaningful employment in their, in their field of expertise. Yeah. You, know? you, you can have globalization without globalism. Can you clarify the difference there? Yeah, globalization, Japan has globalization, one of the most interconnected economies in the world. They trade, they buy, but they don't have mass immigration. Yeah. Well, and, they don't but, even but have they don't need the people. I still say it's the people that you were mentioned earlier. You but know, China and Pakistan. You'll never see them being because nobody can fit there. Well, no, their birth that's rate. That's true. That's Sandra, true. Their birth, their population of Japan is predicted to fall to six to eighty million by mid-century. They have the same okay, demographic issue. Then wait, wait, wait yeah. till wait, wait till that happens. But, uh, but the solution isn't to flood Japan with uh, European or African citizens and then expect them to, you know, hold hands and sing kumbaya. They'll be like riots. Like the Japanese will be very angry. <laughs> <laughs> They're very uh, particular. If, you know what? If the needs outweigh, they'll win. The multicultural. But you're happen. right. This is not just a leftist idea. It, it's interestingly enough, the right, the business-oriented right, and the multicultural academic left converge together on the issue of immigrant multiculturalism. They get along. And when I tell leftists that, it bothers them, but it's the truth. They're both for it for different reasons. The other ones, the, the business right wants cheap labor. Yeah, cheap labor. The academic mm -hmm. left thinks that a multiracial, multicultural society will be a splendid uh, experiment uh, to be seen in the future. Okay, Ricardo. So we don't have a lot of time left, but okay. <laughs> I said it was the Anunnaki who's behind this, <laughs> but who is? who do you think or what forces are really behind this trend that, that is... Uh, in your 
words, and uh, I think some of us could agree to a certain extent, destroying Western civilization, and what can we do about it? It is so deeply embedded right now. It is everywhere. Yeah. I mean, who will you hear saying the things we are saying? We are isolated, we are alone. Only here. But it is growing. It is growing. You sense it. Well, right? the problem is there's people that actually it becomes racism to them. It becomes right. racism. Their, their reaction it to it, it becomes racism. And we need to overcome that because, yeah. I mean, I'm racially mixed. My mother is from Britain. My family name is French. Uh, my father has African uh, blood. Uh, if you Google my, you can Google my So you're my a father. multiculturalism experience. Yeah, I'm multiracial. <laughs> my, my sisters and dad have married Afghanistani. Uh, the son of my uh, sister just married a Chinese woman. And it goes on and on. And that, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, they say let's celebrate that. I decided that that's not what I want to do. I want to preserve Western civilization. That matters to me most. This is not about me. I could play the multicultural card and, you know, people wanted me to. They said, oh, you, yeah, you know, you have an accent. You were born in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. you, fit the, you fit the bill for uh, it. Yeah, if you write yeah. a license, you get even more grants and all that kind of you, thing. You and I are in big trouble. But um, <laughs> I didn't want to do that because it's not going to work and we're going to lose it's going to, it's serious. We're going to lose our liberal, the things we cherish, freedom of expression, uh, toleration, exactly what the academic left is fighting for, we're going to lose. Imagine, the, the, the left in France, in England, has now joined a la, a, an alliance with Muslims because they agree on multiculturalism, even though Muslims see them as useful idiots. <laughs> Hollande in, in France, the socialist um, president mm. there was elected by a small margin the Muslim vote was uh, n very high in the 90s for him, together with gay groups, uh, gay rights groups, feminist groups, voting also for Holland. So it's a very strange alliance. Why are they coming together when Muslims don't believe in, in I mean, the, elite, the, the leadership elements don't believe in this kind of gay So why are they doing so? this? Because they agree on the crucial question of immigrant multiculturalism. They know that France, will lose its identity, uh, the French will not know who they are, and the Muslims will be able to take This is all, control. you know what I, I say, it's really somebody is doing all this, why? To create a global government. Yeah, because they can, yeah. every democratic society is, uh, loses control of itself, and the, the, and the only solution is to impose a, to, a top-down globalist Government. I think right. Macedonia. That's my. That's my. That's what I. If I have to assess it, that's what I say it is, and uh, and uh, you know the forces behind that are huge, yeah, I think oh, including yeah. all the money powers yes. in the world. I think yes. Macedonia will be the first European country to become an Islamic country. Twenty-five percent of their population is Albanian, and after two thousand, uh, after the two thousand eleven tower attacks, there was riots in Skopje, outside Skopje, in the Albanian areas of the city. And they have their own party called the DUI. It's, it's an Islamic party, and it's in a coalition government with a conservative government. And they represent 25% of Macedonia's population. And Albania could engulf that small country within one or two generations. The next country to, to go will be Sweden. Sweden has taken in 11,000 Syrian refugees. They're spending $15 million a year on refugee settlement program. There's only 10 million people in the country. They're flooding their country with Middle Eastern people. Why are it's they the doing globalists. That? Why Sean. are they doing that? Because what? Sweden has a suicidal government that doesn't believe in Swedish values or culture and wants to destroy it by, by diluting their own. It's a pathology. With people. Yeah, it's, a, it's like an addiction. It's a pathology. There is an illness there. 
But maybe those Syrians will learn to love Swedish A lot of them were in terrorist groups. A lot of them were in revolutionary groups. They and they're going to be bringing them into a liberal democracy like Sweden, a socialist country. And they're expecting them to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. kumbaya. It's not going to happen. There's kumbaya. going to be more riots, <laughs> more violence. So, okay, so even if that's the case and everything becomes Muslim, let's just say, you know... It's not about that. No. It's about our Western values. No, it's about but, but keeping, keeping, keeping the standards we have. It's not about this religion or that religion. It's about who we are as people. It's about the cultural capital and the glue that holds our society together. If you unravel that, you're going to get like a tower well, of Babel. What was the point that you were making about? Well, because well, I was going to, even if Muslim t does take over, um, it, it's not about the, that. That too will be washed out. If what you're saying is it's the globalization, if there will be no religion. There will just no, no, be a they, control. They, right. Uh, there is an assumption on the part of people on the left, both on the left and the right, like the economists, the business week. If you read those magazines, you, you see that they believe in this idea of a secularized, ethnic-less, uh, yeah. globalized citizenship that moves around and doesn't really care that much yeah. about Centennial religion. Centennial College has invested $3.5 in a global citizenship initiative. That's a waste of All money. All universities are dedicated yeah. to in my university and elsewhere, they call it an international curriculum. Yeah, the global... Give away the sense that we're a Western culture and we are just global citizens. So who's behind that? I mean, I said what I thought it was, but to Ricardo, what do you think? Government? The government is behind it. Uh, the academic left is behind it. Um, the business, not all of them. Uh, there are some nationalistic, small business-oriented... Uh, people that are not behind it, but um, they're powerful banks, uh, corporations that they don't like citizens that have a strong sense of identity because they cannot be manipulated. They want so people that just consume, uh, that accept low wages, uh, that are easy to dispose of and throw out. Right. So they don't want control. a strong Canadian sense of this is my land, this is my place, these are my beliefs, and you cannot push me around. So will we get to the point where they burn our books? Hmm? Will we get to the point where they burn no, our books? Well, Except the books well, they allow no, us to their, read. Their, their hope is there be so much miscegenation, race mixing, that at that point you don't know who you are and you lose your sense of self, and then the corporations have you in their hands and the banks, and you'll be under That's their That's actually what you see. Yes, and the left being so absurd, they're behind it in the ideological sense. They are brainwashing all the students. They don't allow for any other uh, expression yeah. in the universities. Uh, I, I just, uh, mm. uh, what am I maybe, uh, if I could just say yeah, this, please. Uh, Sean, please. Um, you know, some people say that the whole individualist tradition of the West comes out of uh, the Reformation, for example, and the Enlightenment that came out of, you know, the printing press, Right. You know, industrialization, all that stuff, that individualized, that individualism that created the, the really, the United States democratic society, you know, re revolting first against the church right. and then against uh, kings. Right. Uh, but that, that whole idea of individualism is falling away now as we, and, and you know, uh, for a lot of different reasons, maybe the church, of course, if that reformation was part of it, well, the church all over is falling away. Yeah. People's adherence to religious values yeah. are falling away. And, and maybe our brains are changing with, you know, as we get away from print, as we've been talking about before, and we watch more TV, it engages the other half of the yeah. brain. Yeah, but than individualism mm. without a sense of identity and roots is what you see Miley Cyrus doing.
-hmm. It's an excessive, out of control um, w form of individualism. Mm -hmm. uh, we had individualism in the 50s, in the 40s, in the 60s, including the singers from the 60s. Mm -hmm. uh, individualism is almost in the DNA of European people mm -hmm. because we, we like to think for ourselves. We like to be rebellious. The left, they think they're rebellious, but they're not anymore. They're complete, um, you know, brainwashed, followers, conformists. Um, but individualism is a very important trade that I value a lot. I'm an individualist. This is why I'm thinking the way I do. I'm the only one that thinks this way in my university. And they kind of want me to conform, but I don't want to. And so I value that. And for that very reason, I think it is important for us to cherish our heritage, to know where that individualism came from. It's not there to be found everywhere. Uh, Islamic people, it's not that I don't mind if Islamic people wish to have their own way in their own countries. That's their way of Chinese people. But we have our way, and individualism is an important trait, and we should value it and realize that it is rooted in a tradition. It's not just free-floating all over the place, uh, mildly side of style. That's a form of <laughs> insanity. It leads to drug addiction. It leads to excess. It leads to a lot of drinking the way young uh, 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 men, and including women now, drink like crazy at the universities. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't even find any, uh, uh, find very few males at universities. They've been dispossessed. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, and, okay. and, and, and the downside, I know we have to go, but, and then that uh, spills over and it leads to health issues, it leads to economic yeah, issues, it's going to lead to yes. poverty, it's going to lead to yes. mental health, because yeah. you can't stifle yeah. people's um, natural you know, desire to want to express who they are and not expect those kinds of repercussions too. I've been working right. on this book for two right? years about our lack of Canadian identity. I've suffered right. severe bouts of depression for weeks on end. Sometimes I ate two meals, usually I'd eat three, but it really affected me psychologically just being exposed to left-wing newspapers. The Metro and the 24. You should sue them, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I should actually. I should sue those and, bastards. And, but, and not to mention also the economic issues, too, because yeah. if you're meant yeah. to, if it's to control and homogenize should everybody, it's just it's about keeping it's everybody. Yes, yeah, Mar Marcus I love you guys. I, I'm getting yeah. worried, Marcus Sean. Marcus love homogenized, yeah. standardized uh, people. They're easy to manipulate, and there is a, a, a pressure towards that. So standard of living is going to yeah, go down, 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 down. Take gender away from them. There is no difference between men and women. Uh, take away their ethnic identity. There is no difference between any ethnic group. Take away religious differences. All religions are more or less the same. Keep it to your private home a little bit here and there. And you create this type of And then you take away hierarchy and yeah, you have Yeah, then race mix them all and you have a standardized character that will be completely ruthless and easy to, easy to control. Okay. Well, I think you guys have made mm. some great points here today and uh, just want to say thanks for coming Thank in here and having so this much. conversation. We could go on all he day. He cut me off so much. I had so much I wanted to say. I was really well behaved today. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you gave both Sean and me this opportunity. To thanks for here. giving us the chance to share. Wow. Okay, now before we go, <laughs> let's just get your contact information if people want to follow up with you guys. Ricardo, do you have a website or somewhere? Well, yeah, if you know? Google my name, that would be enough. You'll hit various places, okay. Uh, okay. including my profile at the university, uh, just Ricardo Duchesne, that should do it. Um, okay. I have a book, The Uniqueness of Western Civilization. Uh, it has been well received. Uh, 
How Where can people get their book, get their hands on that book if they want? Just Google the title, The Uniqueness of Western Civilization. Okay. Uh, there are quite a few reviews. I have them on my profile at the university, the links to the reviews. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Ricardo, thanks for coming thank all the way. So right. Thank you so much. Thank you, too. St. John today. All right. And Sean, any websites you want to give out? Um, and news on your inter and uh, the group you're starting. The yeah, culture. the group I'm starting is the Canadian Cultural Society. The website's being worked on now. And my website, endofees.ca, is undergoing a content management upgrade. And I don't know when my web designer, Mike, will finish doing it. So it'll be up when it'll be up. All right. So. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks Fair a enough. lot. Yeah. And Sandra, that's it for the show today. Well, we could go on forever. Yeah. Well, we might after we turn the cameras off. Okay. But anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. And we'll Thank see you all next you. time right Stay here on the lunchtimechannel.com. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> you're so corny. No, you're corny. You're corny. No, you're corny. <laughs>
quickly. I believe there's an uprising in Europe. I believe the time is coming when we will see the establishment of an Islamic State in the heart of Europe. I don't know whether that's going to be perhaps in France, perhaps in Denmark. I believe one day Islam will conquer the White House. We've been promised that one day Islam will conquer Rome. Earlier this week, we brought you the story of the London School, paid for by the Saudis, named after King Fahd, where some of the books contain clearly offensive remarks about Christians. You repudiate those views. Sorry? You repudiate those views. You repudiate the view that anyone who doesn't practice Islam will suffer hellfire. I'm asking you, you were given a direct quotation from one of these books earlier, in which it was asserted that those who do not follow Islam will perish in hellfire. And you're now saying that you promote tolerance and respect for all religions. Of course. It was the day suicide bombers first struck on British soil. 52 innocent people lost their lives. A thousand were injured. Breaking news we're getting from the PA Newswire that there's been reports of an explosion outside Liverpool Street Station. All I could see was the top of a bus completely destroyed. Just standing outside uh, King's Cross station at the moment, and there are a number of, uh, of commuters walking out of the station covered in soot. on Saturday night was justifiable? Do you think that any, any of the things were a, a real protest against the system? Yeah, I think that was a real protest. I think that was the best protest that happened. Should we abandon multiculturalism? Absolutely. I think it's a wrong philosophy. It's a philosophy of avoidance. Multiculturalism can't possibly be a device for integrating people. It has the opposite effect. My response is clearly yes, it's a failure. The truth is that in all our democracies we've been too preoccupied with the identity of those arriving and not enough with that of the countries which welcome them. Don't. There's only one solution and that is to send them away out of our countries immediately. off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.